Yeah. I think there's a lot of success if it's something that's complements something building wide. Make the best thing totally ineffective by being grumpy behind it. <laughs> there isn't one perfect one. Yep. And what works for one person might not work for somebody else. And it's <laughs> um, trying to think of a good analogy of, you know, banging your head against the wall or. <laughs> it is shocking how, how whispering can be an effective tool in, in a large gym. Welcome physical educators. This is Thinking PE. Because Fayette is more than just fun and games. I'm Stacy Nelson. And I'm Jamie Seneca. And it's our goal to dig deeper beyond the activities that make your class awesome. So buckle up and join us on this journey. Welcome to another edition of Thinking PE. Jamie, this is Thinking PE. So what are you thinking? I'm thinking we've actually been this, we've been at this for almost a year, this 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 concept and this this vision of thinking PE. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> In an amazing year it's been. Kind it's of, uh, the year, you know, the year of 2020, it's been filled, it's been filled with a lot. And it's uh, you know, I, I guess we're no different. Yeah, we started this before we had any idea, anybody had any idea of what might be coming as far as the shifting of school and the way we do school and all that kind of stuff. We were just back in the day trying to create resources for, you know, people that wanted them, especially like student teachers and that kind of a thing. Yeah. And, that, and that's just it. We both had student teachers. Um, you, you, you were right in the middle of having a student teacher and about to, about to switch to another one and just found that there wasn't much resources out there. There's great resources for games and stuff, yeah. but it was that, that, that thought process behind great, great Friday teachers and, and the why. And um, so we started to put together this, this resource of stop signals. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, how, how appropriate and how pertinent that becomes that we later learn that how important, how important it is to have a solid foundation of teaching to build off of, whether it's distance learning or hybrid, that sometimes it's, it's great to revisit some of these resources or some of these best practices. Yeah, and speaking of revisiting, this whole podcast is now going to be based on we're going to go back and look and listen to a recording that you and I did probably if not our first one of our first uh, recordings of the idea of putting out a resource doing a little research on stop signals finding out what other teachers do finding out doing it on the web you know, the world wide web what, what does that say about stop signals and we put together um, an interesting discussion and I found it fascinating when we went back and listened to it, that it's amazing how many things that I learned from just listening to that, like you said, revisiting, it's really helping me just to put this podcast together. I'm going to go back to teaching tomorrow with new ideas, even though they are new ideas from you and I. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't just a collection of what the stop signals are, yeah. but we, we go deeper into why some of the stop signals are used. Um, and, and there, there isn't one that's any better than the other. And you'll find that it's based on, based on, based on your culture and your school, your teaching strat, your teaching style, um, just, just an absolute variety. So from, uh, supportrealteachers.org, we identified, you know, five areas of, of a, of a good stop signal and they involve being interactive, clear, equipment free, repetitive, and fun. And we're going to explore that idea of effective stop signals. Yeah, so let's let's take a listen to 
actually us. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, we'll break in maybe one time and reflect on some of that stuff. But normally we do podcasts. We're listening to a discussion with somebody else. This one is a discussion between you and I. And I, I think we're going to find it fairly interesting. You know, one thing we want to talk about is we get all this excitement going and we've collected a number of different ways from, from people we know and people we've talked to. And we get this excitement going on how to bring it to a stop and uh, things to look for and things, that, uh, things to consider as well. Things to consider like I've been outside with kindergartners and had my whole lesson just completely disrupted from a piece of lint. That the type of type of thing we're we're trying to consider? Yeah. Yes. Uh, tell me more about this piece of lint. <laughs> well, I'm sure you've all had your situations if you've ta taught kindergarten, whether it's PE or anything. I was just outside with them. I got them all lined up in their rows, ready to give them the directions, and then a piece of lint blows by, and unbelievable. One kid saw it, gets up, starts chasing this piece of lint. The next kid watches them, and then the next kid, I'm trying to bring them back and. Pretty soon I got 18 kids chasing lint and ready to kind of go, all right, how about we chase lint for today? Or, you know, I, that would have been a better plan than try to bring them back together. But that's what you were saying is, trying to, what do you do? How, do? how do you have these management things or how, how do you get them back together? You know, I would uh, share our classroom management, uh, give all the kindergartners a basketball. <laughs> and there's something, there's something in Newton, Newton's laws of motion that not all those basketballs can be held while you're giving directions. And you're trying to get their attention, their attention and got some awesome directions or, or whatever you're trying to, but inevitably one's going to fall. When one falls, then all of a sudden they all start to fall. And pretty soon we might as well just keep practicing dribbling. It's unbelievable why so it's, you can't get 30 kids to hold a ball. And it's not just kindergarten. No, no. So yeah. it's, uh, I guess it, it takes us, it, it takes us right into the topic of uh, stop signals. Yeah, and so we kind of chatted with some friends of ours, put it out on Twitter a little bit, tried to get some feedback, and tried to find out what are teachers using, what are they doing to, uh, to, to make this happen. And I think the universal one that really that really uh, came across was was music, and how that was kind of the attention getter. Yeah, where they have all this action going, and the music stops, and that was the kids' attention to do something, and then it got kind of creative. We found out some awesome things that happen after that music stops. Yeah, one of the things that I, I know I learned early on and that other people agree is getting kids to sit down. Mm -hmm. I know when I had a mentor teacher, that was one of the things he told me in an early lesson was get, just have them sit. If you can bring them back to a spot, that's what he told me. Bring them back to a spot where they're used to listening from there and then send them back out again. Sometimes that'll save you a lot of time. Other times you don't want them to them all the way back in you can just have them sit but if you have them stand uh, it's going to be tough it's tough on any kid and if you use adults too it, it doesn't work for them either so you know and uh, it's it's a bringing them back to bring them back to one spot you know one of the strategies i heard of, i read about was uh you need to stop too and that if you're if you're more than that if you've got all the kids stop and you've got their attention and you're kind of moving around, whether you're resetting equipment or something like that, oh. their attention starts to drift. So it's kind of that, that still body. If you're, if you want their attention, you've got to, got to keep yeah. that, keep that still body as, as you're presenting. Some of the, one of the websites I went to, it was called support 
they mentioned, um, they had a little video of a, uh, a teacher that was, when he stopped, he would call attention to the students. And, and this is a elementary, you know, trick, I guess you'd call it where, yeah. boy, sure like, sure appreciate John, right? I notice uh, John's ready to go. He's, he's showing me, he's already sitting, you know, his, his stick is on the floor in front of him and that type of thing. You don't always have to call attention to being, oh, he's being really good, but you can say, I, I can tell he's ready because his stick is on the floor or he's, he's listening or she's doing yeah. this. Or, so you don't always have to call him the good kid, but you can say, I can tell because they're giving me the signal that they're ready. Just recognizing that, uh, I think that behavior. I think that complements the, uh, the, the, the PBIS model, the recognizing the positive yeah. behavior. Yeah. And uh, instead, of, instead of calling out the kids that aren't doing stuff correctly, yep. recognizing those that are, and then hopefully everybody kind of, kind of follows along. Right. Yeah, instead of nagging on the one kid that, mm -hmm. I know it's Johnny's dragging his heels again. <laughs> let's call that kid Stacy. Yeah, let's do that. That'll, that'll work great. Oh, um, I don't see this done a ton in FIED, but I know it works in the classroom. Some teachers will use it just occasionally. It's the lights on and off. Yeah. But you, you can do that, especially if you've got a wide open gym or a, you know, some gym lights are hard to turn on and off and you wouldn't work at all. But it's just another simple thing that some people try and it, it gets people's attention. Well, what, what's going on? They start looking around and that's when um, you can get their, their attention another way. I was looking here and it's kind of that responsive classroom. And this one, you know, I see a lot of teachers do it too, where uh, they do the, the, the claps, clap once um, ah. and, and the kids respond. So I forget what, I forget what the, we'll call it the technical term is, is for that strategy but uh i've just seen a number of them um where they they use their voice inflection too where it's like class 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 and then the the students all have to respond in that same tone and and it's uh okay it's definitely i, I see it a lot in the classrooms yeah um i think i called that copycat when i was doing some videos okay that, that type of thing um i call it in my own gym um i call it a, a gym rhythm yeah we're going to do a gym rhythm. So I do it and then you repeat. But yeah, we see it in classrooms and other PE classes. And sometimes it's the copycat. They do exactly what you do. And then we ran into some that they're kind of creative um, where they were, where they were say the first half of a phrase and then the class would be trained to say the, the next half. Um, hocus pocus instance, our, and then the class yells digital technology everybody teacher. focus whenever she needs their attention oh, she'll go bop 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 another bop, teacher yelled flat and tire mouth and then the class bop, bop, their finger to and their mouth and goes you know so they finish it um, yeah start loud and yeah, uh, you know kind of like another teacher that tire, says subway that type of thing and then this you know, class just, responds with i don't think you have to do fresh. all of these but it's kind of like it kind of could add some fun to your class depending on what age group you're you're working with especially if you start incorporating uh stuff that's important to them whether you know if, if it's the if it's the latest uh the latest cartoon or uh oh yeah the latest, the latest pokemon something lego something something you can relate to relate to their world it, it would definitely definitely add some excitement yeah yeah i think so um how about ones that they you just teach kind of at the beginning of the year and that's your thing it's like writ rhymes or that type of thing and they're like one two three eyes on me or yeah, something like that yep that's been a popular one two one two three eyes on me uh 
you know, your, your typicals of, you know, give, give me five or your, your visual of counting, counting down five, four, three, two, one. Okay. So I think, I think those are the go-to, I don't want to say one's more effective than the other, but just more, more universally used. Yeah. I think there's a lot of success if it's something that's complements something building wide. So like if you do like it, if you have a, yeah, if you do something in, in your class, a, a, a type of stop signal that's used in, in the music room, that's used in the lunch room, that at the assembly, the principal stands up and whatever their signal might yeah. be, you know, I think if, if it's universal, it's probably going to have more of a, more of an impact. Yeah. But I like the idea, even though it's universal, then all of a sudden you, you can add your own little, uh, little flair to it with a, with a subway eat fresh. Right. Yeah, and just maybe vary it up for a week or something. Yeah. Or, so it, it doesn't just get kind of rote. And then now the teacher, instead of this being a fun thing, now it's just the teacher just expects it. And then it's kind of kind of like the teacher nagging, you know. And there's there's that piece, too, when we were talking about doing this this podcast. We were looking at kind of – you can have tones in your you – know, yeah. even in your one, two, three, eyes on me can be one, two, three, eyes on me or – one, two, three. Yeah. You know, I mean, in your kindergarten, tone, kindergarten will pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, there's this whole piece of just put energy behind whatever you do and you can, you can sell a lot of, a lot of things and you can find, you can make the best thing totally ineffective by being grumpy behind it. <laughs> which is, which is a great point to expand on in that of all these strategies that, that we've seen, there isn't one perfect one yep. and what works for one person might not work for somebody else. And it's just kind of, you kind of find out what works in your toolbox yeah. and, uh, and, and expand from there. Um, that kind of leads into at the middle school and high school level of the teachers I talked to at those levels, I found the whistle is used more and more. So several middle school or um, high school teachers would use a short blast of a whistle or a three blast. One one tweet means one thing, two means yeah. another, three means another. They, they all have their different, like you said, they all seem effective. It's, they all seem to know what, you know, how to, how to make it work. But um, I didn't hear as many elementary teachers using the whistles. It was kind of, just kind of found that interesting. Uh, outside, okay. I, I, I heard it. that a, a whistle was just a way to carry sound, especially sure. if kids were, you know, on, on far ends of the field or, or whatever, just that's like some, some signal other than having to use their voice to, to bring the kids in. Yeah. That's more pleasant than hollering. And saves on the person's voice too. Yeah. Now I have a microphone I often bring out. So that helps a lot. You know, we wanted to jump in here on this uh, whistle discussion. Uh, back a year ago when we recorded this, uh, we were doing our best to estimate what numbers were and that type of thing, but we found it pretty intriguing. So we actually did some research and put out a survey and we actually have some hard data for you regarding the whistle use of PE teachers today. Yeah, it's fascinating. And right away we recognize that there's probably a difference between elementary and secondary on the use, on the use of a whistle for a stop signal. And we just saw through that, through that survey, we found that actually only 15% of elementary fire ed teachers use a whistle on a regular basis. And then like 50, wasn't it 48 or 50% of 
PE teachers in general don't even have a whistle. They don't use it ever. They found other ways to um, bring students in and, and, and talk to students when they need to get their attention. Yeah, and I found two, two things come to mind with that. You know, number one, I do have a whistle on me. I use it maybe once or twice a year. And I use mine specifically for an emergency as a, as a signal that the students have never heard before. That all of a sudden they hear this whistle and that immediately captures their attention. Sure. Uh, but another great one when we talking to people was how, how effective and actually how um, less stressful it is to use a whistle when you're outside. You need that, you need that signal to carry over, over a long distance. And that's something we chatted about that it's, that's when we collected our data, we actually never differentiated between outdoor versus indoor. No, no. We just kind of put it out there as a, as a quick, uh, quick type survey. Yeah, and I'm with you, um, except for, I, I think maybe technology has changed too. Um, for, for me, my music's portable, so I can use music outside as a stop signal. When the music stops, they stop. I also have a microphone that goes with me. If I didn't have a microphone outside, I'd absolutely use a whistle or some type of, like you said, something that would project, absolutely. But maybe the use of per, uh, technology and the ease of us getting that equipment um, maybe that changes uh, the fact that people do or don't use whistles because, I mean, we didn't do this survey 50 years ago, obviously, but I bet the numbers would be different <laughs> 50 yeah, years ago. Yeah, very true. With PE teachers compared to today. Yeah. So in this next section, we're going to talk about Envoy. And Envoy, is it stands for Educational Nonverbal Yardsticks, which is a, a form of nonverbal classroom management to help develop your culture. And Envoy is based on seven gems. There, and we're going to really talk about two of those gems, which is the above pause whisper and freeze body. And I'm, I'm just going to take some time to promote people go out and do a little research on that. Read as much as you can. If you ever get a chance to be trained in Envoy, um, I, I haven't been fully trained, but man, the one training I had, I, I grabbed a bunch of ideas from to help the, my classroom management in their simple tools, simple ways to keep your class more engaged. So um, with that promotion, <laughs> um, take a listen to this next segment that um, we start talking about Envoy and then we go into several other topics from there. Enjoy. Uh, Envoy, just yeah. in that when you have that activity, you have to have something that gets above the noise to get their attention. And then by, by bringing your volume down, that would, would naturally bring down, it's, it's that above, above pause whisper strategy. Yeah. Something, yeah. something to get above the student's noise, whatever activity they're doing, whether it's a microphone, a whistle blast, uh, clapping hands, so, something to get above that noise, and then just slowly bring your volume down, and that it captures the student's attention. Interesting. Three, two, one, and freeze. All right, my friends, if you have a best. Yeah. Now I, my first year teaching elementary, I found something soon into it that I didn't know what I was doing and realized later it's kind of an envoy deal where it's a, it's a whole rhyme where I will start out fairly loud and then just get softer and softer. It's, it's the, I'm sure other teachers do something similar with, uh, I call it the gym sit mm -hmm. and teaching them how to sit. And this is when they're really wound up, you know, or a clap. You get their attention, but they're still fidgeting. I do the, I do a, I call it a gym sit, and I do a crisscross. We have hand movements that go with it. Crisscross applesauce. Yeah. Some hands in our laps. And then if that doesn't do it, 
then I start whispering, and again, I get use the microphone, and I start whispering with the eyes are looking, and I get it softer, ears are listening, lips are locked, and then we do the hands in our lap, and usually by that, it takes 15 seconds, or maybe like 10 to go through it, but that's when they're really wound up, I can find, I can really bring the energy out of them with that, I guess it's an envoy method, you start loud, yeah. and then bring them down with you, and usually they're pretty relaxed by the by the end of that. And I don't do that every time I need their attention. That would take too long. Yeah. But, but those, those need... times, and it, it is shocking how, how whispering can be an effective tool in, in a large gym. Just a simple whisper. Once you get that noise level down to, to really capture their attention. Yeah. Now, do you use a microphone in the gym? I do. Okay. And that's, that's, that's my way of getting above the noise yeah. is the, the closer you bring that microphone in the mouth. And yeah. but then, I try not to instruct or talk with that microphone up there because then all of a right. sudden you create a negative tone in the gym. Yep. So it's just true. that quick way to get their attention and then bring it back down to a, to yep. a more calm tone. Yeah, I had my student teacher use one for the first time today. I purposely had him go the first two weeks without it to practice, the, <laughs> get his voice built up a little bit and project. But then today I had him try it. I said, try, try a couple different methods and kind of like you just said, you don't, don't have don't teach with it but to get their attention or when when you don't need complete silence you just need to give a direction go ahead and use that get a little louder get the next direction so they can hear you and move to the next thing he really he really liked it he really liked uh, how it can i was i was never uh, it was one of those things i didn't think i would ever use yeah and then uh once i once i got used to it it's, it's something i almost can't teach without now i i mind broke and it was miserable. It was exhausting teaching without it compared to <laughs> comparatively. It was amazing. The it's like some, somebody taking, the, taking your phone away. Yeah, in some ways. <laughs> but yeah, I just found, because you had to project all day long then. Mm -hmm. And I was tired. My voice was tired by the end of, by the, end of the day. I think we found a number of, a number of strategies and, and no one better than the other of, of how to stop the students. But what came, what came out of it was just some, just some broad things to consider as you're, uh, as you're doing this. And one of them that popped up was the, uh, that one or two students that aren't, aren't responding and it's the, I'll wait. And how long are you gonna wait? How long, how long, sometimes I can get pretty uncomfortable. Yeah. I'll wait, you're, you're, just, you're just wasting your game time. So yeah, I thought we've, that all, a, we've all said that as PT yep, teachers. Yep, yep. Hmm. So I just wonder, I saw, I'll, I'll use it. I'm sure I use it this week. Yeah. I'll, I'll, you're, you're wasting your game time and you just wonder how, how effective is that? Right. That's a good is question. That? What, what, what kind of environment is that creating? And it stopped. Yeah, and you, you're not really trying to say right now that it's wrong or never use it. We're just no. asking the question of, is that, yeah. When do you use that? When do you use that line? Do you overuse it? And I think it's actually probably more effective in the, in the look, kindergarten first yep. maybe second grade and maybe as the kids get older i think it becomes less effective i bet you're right at least for me anyway i yeah i obviously we haven't studied it to know but my gut says you're you're right on you know the older kids it seems like it, it works for the kids that are listening they're like mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> but the ones that aren't aren't hearing you <laughs> and so I, I think then it just kind of frustrates the kids that are already listening and they're going yeah he's wasting our time he's taking me off again you know <laughs> that type of a that type of a deal 
is there any times if you choose not to stop and get the whole group's attention, you just talk over them? I would say a similar activity, similar, similar short activity, like uh, we were doing basketball ball handling drills. So, you know, wrap around one leg, wrap around the other leg, wrap around both legs. Okay. And there, there's similar activities where I can just use that microphone and, and they can, okay. and they can go over or, uh, but if all of a sudden we're switching to a different type of activity, like um, I want to show you, I want to show you. Uh, Maybe um, technique and how to shoot the basketball. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Something, so, just something totally different or a more complex ball handling drill for basketball. I would, I would want to, okay. I'd want their attention. So something more than three, four words. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that, that's a good way to good way to good way to go to approach it. No, I like that thought of it being the similar activity too, because then it's pretty easy to see. They, if you're demonstrating too, they watch yeah. you. Yep. And oh, now you're going around two knees instead of just one knee. Oh, okay. And they don't even have to understand what you said. If they just heard you say something and then they look at you, they can pick it up. I've seen other teachers and our music teacher, especially a, a calming technique that they use is, is the breathing technique. And I've just, I've never really had success with that one, okay. but I see, I see how great other teachers can utilize it. Okay. And I think, I think it's just my, it's just my approach. I'm just, okay. I guess maybe I'm not, I'm not comfortable with it and the kids pick up on it right away. Okay. Where the, where I, I've seen our music teacher do it, and I say, I've seen other FIED teachers use it. Yeah. Um, and I, it's, I, I wish I had that same effect. I just added it last year, and mm -hmm. it was a conversation I was having with my wife about mindfulness, trying to, here's another thing they want us to add into FIED is mindfulness. They want us to do yoga, and, and I'm like, I don't have time for that. But she said, well, how about just a little breathing technique as, you know, as they're getting ready for the hallway? And I'm like, well, that's genius, you know, <laughs> and it's worked. I've found it really, really effective. Shout out to my wife with her experience with yoga gave this to me. The key to this is to start nice and loud as you count down from three and get softer and softer and softer by the time you hit one and then have them breathe out all that extra energy before you turn them loose to their teacher. So what's your take on talking with kid, talking to the kids with, with, with stuff in their hands? <laughs> um trying to think of a good analogy of you know banging your head against the wall or <laughs> i'm trying to think Chasing, of something yeah hurting, hurting cats comes to mind hurting cats whatever it is and i know and even even to have them set it down next to them is yeah it's hard you know we've had to have them just set it down and take two steps back and then sit down Mm -hmm. And even then they weasel their way back to it. You know, having someone sit near them, it's, it's really hard. That, so. That's a big one I found with uh, using the parachute is, you know, when, uh, again, you talk about using uh, examples where you just talk, give directions on the fly and some right. of that's with, with the parachute. And then we, when we, there's more, when we're going to change the game reactivity, then we set the parachute on the floor. Okay. So we're not, yeah. set it down at our toes, let the parachute go, take two big steps back yes. and sit down and, and, and get them away from that parachute and that to capture the attention because if they're anywhere near it, <laughs> and uh, I, I, think, I, I think I'd be guilty of that too. Yeah. Well, yeah, if, if you had your hands on it, would you be able to keep it still? No. <laughs> One of Newton's laws of uh, holding a basketball as well. For sure. So an interesting one too, I, I think uh, – um, age appropriate. Oh yeah. Age 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 appropriate. You know 
I've, it's been a long time since I've been in a high school gym. And I wonder, like, turning the lights on and off, what kind of effect that would have right. on in nope. a high school gym. <laughs> how many, when you turn those lights out, how many kids would duck out the back door? Right. You'll be, <laughs> you'll be alone in no time. You know what? No, so. Or it might work, because that's where I saw it done in the classroom. Teachers would do it. Just a quick blink of the light. And so it, it might not be out of, out of context there. Um, that'd be interesting to know. It'd be hear, interesting to hear from some fiatine in the breathing. It would have been interesting to get more of a high school perspective on the stop signals because everybody yeah. I talked to was in the elementary world. Yeah, it was a lot of more just the tweets and the whistles um, or just uh, hollering the voice. Just, okay, bring it in. You know, that type, yeah. of, that type of a thing. So hey, speaking of bringing it in, when do you keep the kids spread out and when do you bring uh, them in? Great question. Great question. I think it kind of goes right in line with what we were talking about earlier with the when you talk over them type of a thing. If you're going to, a couple, couple words, leave them out there. Maybe, maybe expand from three, four words to maybe no more than three sentences. If I'm going to do more than three sentences, bring them in. And that's not a hard rule. I'm just, just kind of throwing that out there is if you're going to be three, four, three, four sentences, you might want to um, try to bring them in. Now, you, and you might change that per class. You know, one class, you just know, I'm not even going to try this. We're bringing them in. In another yeah. class, hey, they, this group can handle it. So, but I don't know. What, do you, what kind of rule of thumb do you use? I, I think your, uh, your comment about, about class to class and you know, differentiating between, between classes and just knowing the students, I think is probably the big, some classes, some classes you probably could give the most complex directions and they could be spread all across the gym. Yeah. Other classes, I don't know that you could get them close enough. Yeah. So yeah. I think, I think that, I think that's a really good point on just knowing the class and the dynamics of the class. And cause even when you bring them in knowing the class of, okay, you two, you two, you two characters sit next to each other. This yeah. is, this is going to be a problem right from the start. Yep. So the last one I got was, uh, was waiting for every kid. And this is the, uh, this is like the culmination of a stop signal. And you've got, we'll call that kid Stacy in the back there with the hula hoop. Yep. That will not scoot back from constantly moving that. And we, we have double classes at my school. So I've got oh. 50 to 60 kids in the gym. And do you wait for every single one? And that's, oh, that's, that is a, that's my ongoing struggle. What's your natural tendency? That's tough. With, with double classes, my cooperating teacher, if, if I'm instructing, she can go around and, and address yeah. those behaviors in, individually you know, yep. in, in a private way. And, and same thing, when she's instructing, I can do that too. That's the advantage to the double. Uh, that's the advantage. Class. You know, when I, when I just had signal classes, It was always a tough one. I think it was the younger it is because it's kindergarten. I guess I justified it in kindergarten. I didn't necessarily wait for everybody. Yep. I waited for most, and it was like I was constantly building up to make it a little bit better when they were in first grade. And yep. by the time they're in fourth and fifth grade, then we were we'll call it we will call it trained. Yep. Interesting. Yeah, I think I'm just a little bit anal. I, I have a real hard time if people are even spinning. Then I make a noise if I get one kid spinning, it just distracts me so much. Yeah. And then I find the second kid starts spinning, and then the third, and so. 
I am maybe a little tight and maybe waste some extra time, you know, waste extra time, but it's well, I'm glad, you, I'm glad you actually, I'm glad you actually said that spinning thing. Cause that, that trigger, that is, that's something that, uh, that distracts me. Yeah. I, I, same thing. The, the, it has nothing to do with the equipment. It's just spinning around. <laughs> and I sell it under the guides of in, in physical education. We're teaching you when to be crazy mm -hmm. with your body, when to do flips with your body, we're going to climb walls with your body. And then there's going to be times where you're going to tell your body to be quiet and sit quietly now's that time and it's not gonna be for long but we're gonna tell our body to be quiet and that's what I sell it you know when I'm trying to teach it but I could probably loosen up and still get get by um, it could be an area I could probably work on if I um, if I put more thought to it I might decide that yeah stop being so anal Nelson you know <laughs> and all these I think I think there's a big a big part of it too is the longer you talk the more distracted you're gonna become yep. so it, it, you want to maximize your activity time in, in, in fired classes anyway. Yeah. So one way to gain more activity time is lessen the directions. So the quicker you can make those directions, yeah. I think the less the problem is of, uh, of the spinners and things like that that are constantly, yeah. constantly out there. Yeah, we had Jump for Heart today, the introduction, and I ended up cutting eight minutes off of my first, <laughs> my first go through. It was just, I got to the end, I was like, this is too long. You know, like you said, just not enough activity. So cut cut it in half. It was like 16 minutes long. And I cut her down to eight just and found that that's probably all they were listening to anyway. And so just cut down the directions, get to the point and get them moving. I think you're right on there. Hey, Stacey, I have to tell you, it was, it was it was pretty fun to, to go back and listen to one of our one of our first actually probably the first recording we ever did as thinking PE. Yeah, it is actually not easy to listen to ourselves. <laughs> You're kind of always more maybe critical of yourself, but you can you can tell we were early on, and not that we're super polished now, but you you can tell. But on the other hand, I have to admit there were some good ideas in there that I had forgotten about even since then, even though we made the whole discussion a year ago, I'm going to go back this week and add some of those ideas right back into my teaching again. You know, it's, what I find interesting, and it's actually one of the last interviews we just did on episode 28 of the podcast is with Dr. Christy Malley, the, the professor at Winona State University. And she talked about developing, you know, how she teaches her young, her future teachers, how she instructs them is building that solid foundation. And then by building that solid foundation, you're ready for you're ready for face-to-face -face learning. You're ready for distance learning. You're ready for hybrid. And, you know, and there I gave the example of, of, uh, of when I was in the Marines, it was, we called it brilliance in the basics, you know, basic yep. skills that you had a foundational skill set. And where I'm, leading, where I'm taking this is something as simple as stop signals mm -hmm. and how it's, how it's thinking PE. It's really effective to go back and critically think about why you're doing things and how you're doing them and what's best for kiddos. No, absolutely. It's, it is foundational. And that's, that's kind of what lit our fire to start thinking PE is finding things like that, that are basics, but man, you, you can talk about it for hours with good PE teachers, because there's some depth to the decisions you make on how you stop a class, when you stop them, when you don't, all of those things are foundational. And as a seasoned PE teacher, you're making those decisions on the fly, thousands of them all throughout your day. Um, but like Dr. Malley talks about, it's it, 
if you're if you're structured in those foundations, then you can take it all sorts of different directions, and and we do. Yeah, and so we've been we've been distance learning, you know, last spring and even this year with uh, with hashtag six feet PE and COVID. And after listening to us, now now, now I'm looking back, I'm thinking. Why did I stop doing some of that stuff? Why, why, you know, so it's good to it's good to look back at that and revisit and and uh, I really need to I need to revisit my above pause whisper. Yes, no, I I think I'm I'm hoping that this was a good resource for people that took the time to listen to it. It it just I mean we covered a ton of ideas and material in there, um, but to kind of summarize this thing and kind of wrap it up and put a bow on it, um, I'm going to take us back to supportrealteachers.org where they talked about the five foundational things of that you should be looking for in a stop signal and that is number one make it interactive two make it clear number three have it equipment free number four um, make sure it's repetitive and number five don't forget the fun that is thinking pe connect with us on facebook and twitter at thinking pe Find us on all your favorite podcast providers by searching Thinking PE. For more resources and videos, go to www.thinkingpe.com. Thanks for listening.